We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. And I think as leaders, if we can get to a place where we really are humble in our actions and knowing that, you know, we might, we're, we're not might, we are going to make mistakes, but that we're going to, we're going to listen to the feedback from others. We're not going to be judgmental of our peers or our, you know, our, our collaborators and that we're going to act in a, in a, from a space of empathy that, that we're going to, we're going to do good. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Dagan Bernstein currently works as the K-8 Capstone Coordinator at Hawaii Preparatory Academy in Waimea on Hawaii Island with additional experience in music, digital media, and mathematics instruction. A strong believer in developing student agency and supporting skills for a future curriculum, he's an advocate for using design, futures, and music thinking to support productive collaboration among educators. Dagan is also a musician who loves writing, recording, and performing at farmer's markets and coffee shops throughout Hawaii Island. Now, besides me probably butchering some of the pronunciations in there as far as location and geography, which I'm sure, you know, hopefully Dagan feels comfortable enough and correcting me on, I think this is going to be a great conversation. I, I love how much music plays into student learning and leadership. And so uh, I'm sure he's got a lot to say to us today. So welcome to the podcast, Dagan. Aloha, Christopher. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And you did pretty good there. Yeah, I'm in Waimea on Hawaii Island. Yeah. There you go. I, I, I get to struggling when you start putting all the extra marks in and I'm supposed to put a pronunciation in different areas or, or things like that. So feel free to correct me anywhere along the way. Certainly. No, it's just important to try and say the words. And then, you know, we're happy here in Hawaii to, you know, gently correct if need be. So it's all good. <laughs> Fair enough. So um, you're in a, you know, you're in a great spot. A lot of, a lot of times people hear about Hawaii and uh, uh, they conjure images of beaches and vacation spots. I'm more interested, obviously, in, in the education there. And uh, that comes with the K-8 Capstone Coordinator, that, which is a pretty interesting position. So what is it you love about being a school leader um, in Hawaii and doing this part? Well, yeah, you know, I'm actually in Waimea, which is up in the mountains a little bit. So I'm kind of in a, not your typical geographic location. I'm at about 3,000 feet 
up here in the, the cool era of Waimea. And yeah, I'm at a wonderful uh, independent school. We have two campuses, K-8 and a 9-12 that's a mixed day and boarding with a pretty heavy international population. Um, and I'm very blessed to be at a school that has been incorporating this capstone element into all um, students grades 5, 8, and 12. So it's part of a, it's a signature program we have. We've been running it um, for about six years now um, in grades 5 and 8, and we just completed our second year in grade 12. And so, yeah, we recently created two different positions to coordinate this program, uh, myself at the K-8 campus and then a, another person at the 9-12 campus. Um, and basically, my role is to, you know, oversee the, the capstone program, um, support all the students in grades five and eight. I also lead my own capstone advisory cohort, as we call them. Um, the capstone is delivered within their advisory groupings that we have in eighth grade. And then in fifth grade, they do it with their fifth grade teacher and as a grade cohort. And yeah, my job is to just kind of make sure it's, it's running and the teachers have support and the students are getting the support. And also, you know, the school in general is, our academics, our learning and teaching is aware of uh, what we're doing in our capstone program, what our goals are, and that we're kind of moving this whole thing forward. So yeah, I'm kind of in this unique, you know, a hybrid position, if you will. Like I, I am a teacher, I'm not an administrator. I'm a an eighth grade advisor, and I also, you know, teach my eighth grade capstone class. And I think that's what I really do love about it is I look at my my peers are my teammates. They're my collaborators. We're we're all on the same kind of level here. And so when we're when I'm leading meetings, you know, I use leading in quotes. When I'm you know leading a meeting around capstone, I really feel like I'm with the team and we're collaborating and we're we're really working together. You know, but at the end of the day, I do have an important position where I, you know, I have to, you know, make that decision or kind of take the input from the team and really decide what's best for the, the program to reach our school's, you know, strategic plan and to reach our school's goals and align with our school's mission. So, you know, it's one that I do, I do take seriously. I take humbly and I just, I really do. I really love it. It's every day. I'm just so excited to be part of this really fantastic program and to work with students on their um, projects that continually amaze me with what they're um, able to do and create. I, I want to get to that a little bit because you're talking about, you know, taking students from a spot where they might not be confident enough to create something to then moving to where they're confident about it. But I do want to, I do want to comment on the piece where you, um, you say you're not an administrator, you're just a teacher. Yes, but you're still a leader. And because you have that ability to be in the classroom, to be running these groups, I would argue that makes you even more of a valuable leader because you're almost that conduit. You're, you can explain to administrators what teachers need and what the program needs to move forward on a real level. Like if you, once this, once this program was designed or, or created, um, you're the boots on the ground. So you, you have the input. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. And, you know, thanks for that reminder because, you know, leadership is, to me, it's a, a skill, it's an important skill. And it's one that I do bring into kind of this skill set that we want to build um, with the capstone program um, in students. And, 
yeah, we ask students to be leaders, right? Um, and teachers can be leaders and we can uh, model that behavior and that kind of mindset in what we do. So yeah, I appreciate being um, reminded about that because yeah, leadership isn't just a title. It isn't just a, something that's on your name plate or your name tag. It's, it's, it's a real mindset that you embody and it can manifest itself in a lot of different ways and in a lot of, a lot of different people within the uh, you know, school ecosystem. See, that's something, that's one of the reasons for this podcast, because, you know, I'm a firm believer. Neely Bartley wrote a book, Lead Beyond Your Title. That's a really good book. And it talks about anybody can be a leader. It's not about a title. And the idea of reminding people that or helping support them through that so they can do that is, um, well, that's that's the reason I do this podcast. <laughs> yeah. But um, so you, before we were recording, you had talked about one of your best accomplishments and it it has to do with your advisory group in a way in the capstone project. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you could talk to us about one of your, what you consider one of your best accomplishments. Yeah. Well, you know, as we all know, last year was, you know, a unique year in school and, you know, we had to, you know, increase our our class sizes um, in some respects because we had, you know, less teachers available to, um, to deliver the advisory program because you had teachers, you know, adding on new, new responsibilities and whatnot. So typically our capstone advisory group is about nine to 10 kids. I had 14 kids last year, which I understand is a completely reasonable number. And I'm not bringing that up as a way to, uh, you know, complain that I'm overworked at all. It just to set some context of, you know, I was managing 14 different capstone projects, but I had, I had one student in particular who, you know, came in and, you know, I had known them personally just from um, school clubs that I'd been involved in um, before they came into eighth grade. And they had an original capstone idea that was, you know, it was okay. It wasn't really like that deep. And I kind of knew there was more to this student. I could just see that there was something inside them that was kind of wanting to come out. And then through the process of really exploring different ideas and different interests and different, um, you know, parts of their identity is really where this came out that um, this particular student was really starting to explore and understand how they identified in terms of their, their gender in, in new ways. And what emerged from this kind of real honest and authentic kind of exploration of their self, they wanted to, develop a middle school advocacy group for LGBTQ plus students. And it was just an amazing project because it was authentic and real. They were starting to learn about how to be their full selves and to express themselves within our school community. They worked and collaborated with myself and other faculty members and external mentors as well. They reached out to people who are part of organizations to um, support um, gender identity and other supports in schools. And they created a, you know, an advocacy group in school, which then opened up the doors for other students to, you know, feel supported. And it also expanded to other students to be allies for that student at school. And it really shifted the conversation that we were having at our school about 
how we how the how students who maybe don't identify within the traditional gender norms can feel supported, can feel like they have teachers and students that they're partnering with, and it really um, it really transformed our school community. And I don't use that word lightly. Like it truly did transform our school community, and the project was just so in depth. Uh, the student created resources and like a how-to guide on how to create a middle school advocacy group for LGBTQ plus students. They curated um, readings and podcasts for their peers to listen to and to read and also collaborated with a faculty member on how to um, lead these meetings so students had space to share and talk and open up and you know, I could go on and on about, about the, the depth and the breadth of the project. It was just really phenomenal. But really what it all led to was beyond that was the student discovering the, their full self. And, you know, their uh, culminating presentation, there was not a dry eye on the Zoom when they presented because you could really see, see this student really explain how through this process, they were able to discover who they are and be more comfortable and feel safe with who they are. And that was the number one thing. And that just shows you the power of authentic student-led learning. When students have the agency and you give them that safe space, when you create the parameters where they feel comfortable doing something that you know is inside them and they want to let out, but they're maybe afraid to because, oh, at school, we're not supposed to talk about that. Or, oh, I don't want to do something that's going to you know, disrupt the, what we're supposed to be doing. When you give them that safe space to really, you know, speak openly about what they really want to do, it can really, you know, change young people's lives. And I was just honored and humbled to kind of be along to support that student. And I learned so much. I learned that student taught me what language to use, what I was going out to um, read. And I was, looking at resources that they were sharing. And, the, you know, we talk about these paradigm shifting moments. It was truly, and the, the student was teaching me. And I was now bringing these resources and knowledge to my faculty. And I mean, it really just, I mean, hands down, just one of the like most just enriching um, kind of teaching, learning um, experiences I've had since I've been in education. Thanks for sharing that. That's such a, that's such a powerful story about, what happens when somebody has the passion and desire to do something um, when they, when they finally discover that inside of themselves and they have that authentic piece, you kept using the word authentic over and over again. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it can kind of be an overused word, but I don't know how, what else to say. Like it was, it was real. This was, this was a young person's life, you know, and not to say that, you know, your algebra homework isn't real. I mean, I was an algebra teacher, but you know, I, I don't know what another way to like, to me, there was a very distinctive experience happening. And when I say authentic, I mean, like, it was really happening in their, in their life. You can see kind of how they see the world and how they see themselves in that world um, changing. So, yeah, I, I know it's an overused word, but I think it really does fit in this case. Ab- absolutely. It fits. And, you know, the, the real powerful piece at the end of that, that you, that it really brought home for me was the idea that leaders can learn so much from those who are following them or, um, or anything like that. So let me just blow this up for a second. So you have this, you have this student who then 
you know, kind of kind of moves from piece to piece and then decides they're really going to take a hold of this and really becomes a leader in their own right because they pick up all these things, they become a leader, um, they start advocacy, the word spreads. You're talking about all kinds of support for new people that are pulled in and then student voice is huge for this piece. So as leaders, we look at a lot of teachers that may be in the same boat as far as being shy, maybe reserved, maybe just kind of take the back burner and don't take that step towards being a leader. And I don't mean administration or anything like that, but just being a leader in their department you know, across the school. Was there a process to that or, or how did you build confidence in this student so leaders listening to this can maybe pull out some things that they could build confidence in their teachers and help them become broader leaders? Yeah, I mean, I don't have like a checklist uh, <laughs> to follow. I mean, I wish I had like a, a one, two, three, do this, do this, do this. I mean, don't we all? <laughs> I, I know, right? I, I mean, it, to me, it's a little more subtle. Like, this is my own kind of how I see it in my head. You know, I really think of like creating the conditions for whether it's a student or a teacher, but creating it the conditions for that individual to feel like they can safely speak up or risk take or try something new or challenge themselves or uh, throw an idea out there. Um, you know, we've all been in those spaces where you have something maybe in your head and you're like, hey, maybe this will work. And you're kind of afraid to say it because maybe you don't want to embarrass yourself in front of a colleague or maybe your boss may has a culture of putting people down or not acknowledging people's input. So, you know, I really look at it as creating those um, conditions and, you know, to go back to music, you know, I am, I, I'm a musician and to me, that's how music happens when you work in a group. It's, there's these conditions when you're with a group of people and you're playing music, you know, you want to feel like you can try a new vocal inflection or try a new riff on your guitar or the drummer can throw in a little do something. And, you know, I, that has to be intentionally done by the people in the band or the, the leader of the band to let, you know, the, the players know that this is a safe space where you can, um, you know, add something in or, and how do you do that? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I greet every student by name individually when they, when they come into my room. I look in their eye. I, I say hello. I go around and I, I, I introduce myself to every student. In this, even you know, I'm in middle school, the sixth graders, the seventh graders, even though I'm mostly in eighth grade. Because um, I just I want to start kind of like, you know, tilling the ground early. I, I want to know that I see them. I, I see you. And it might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, it might be two years from now, but I want you to walk by my room and feel like you can say, hey, Mr. Bernstein, what's up? Or, you know, they have a shirt with a, a band I might know or a, a sports team, you know, hey, what, what you, you Lakers fan? Or, oh, you like uh, Nirvana or something like that? Just, it's those little subtle things. Or after school, if they're waiting for their, their ride, like, you know, out in the pickup line, just saying, hey, like, what was one thing that's cool that happened in school today? Or, you know, what do you do after school? You, you have basketball practice or they have a, a, a bag with their baseball bat or their volleyball, um, volleyball. Oh, you, you play on the volleyball team. Oh, where do you, when do you guys have a game? And, you know, I, I, 
I go to the the rec league to watch the like you know the 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 um you know the girls volleyball team in town like or the 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 soccer game like again to me they're they're little things and they might not be what you would see like in a, a leadership guidebook but I, it's that's just how I operate um, and I, I do believe that schools exist in a community we're not separate from the community schools and schooling is a component of what we do as a community and how we operate and I want to be around and let students know or ask them like oh wait is, wait was your did your older brother go here or wait your mom wait doesn't doesn't she work at the uh is she a dentist or you know just stuff like that to try and let them know like you know, I always tease the kids, like, you think I just melt into the wall at 315 and like, you know, like Han Solo and then freeze. And then when 745 comes, I like emerge back into the wall. Like there's another life we live, right? Between 315 and eight the next day. And, you know, it's cool when you're at the grocery store and they say, hey, Mr. Bernstein, how's it going? And, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, maybe I seek that out because I didn't quite feel that way when I was in school. I always felt like I my teachers didn't know me or that I was quote weird because I was in the skateboarding and, and Nirvana guitar and I wasn't quote the like prototypical, you know, students. So I, I, and I also seek out kind of the, the students who maybe feel othered or marginalized. I just identify with those kids. So I always try and, you know, seek them out and, you know, and it's give, give and also give them space. You know, I don't want to be the like, Hey, how's it going? And you know, what's going on kind of thing. But if there's a case with a student where you, if they look really, I don't know, off or down, like I might say like, Hey, um, you know, you don't, don't feel like you have to, but just, I, I want you to know that if there's any, any, anything, ever anything you need from me or that I can help that I am here. And if, I just want you to know that just saying that I'm here, my room's open. It's safe. And if you ever need to anything, just let me know. I, I'm here for you, um, and I see you. Again, I kind of I see you, and uh, that's that's something I'm always trying to you know get better at and learn and improve. But that's that's kind of how I operate within my school space. That's a great phrase. I heard you use a couple of times. I see you. Yeah. So just I mean, just to make sure I'm hearing what you're saying, because as I translate it into what leaders can do for teachers, is that whole idea of building personal relationships, building those personal relationships so people feel that they're seen for who they really are. And that the idea that if if those relationships are built with teachers, if leaders go out of their way to build those relationships with teachers, they'll know when teachers look off or down or if they're having a bad day because everybody has a bad day from time to time, that they're able to reach out and provide some meaningful support rather than just saying, hey, you know, if there's something wrong, come talk to me. They'll, they'll have a better idea of, of what that teacher may need. Anywhere from a covered class for a period, um, an early release, if they have last period off, you know, something, something to that extent. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know, I'm sorry, I'm speaking a lot to teacher-student um, relationships here. and that's, that's all right. That's the value you offer. <laughs> tie it, yeah. Tie it back to, you know, this um, relationship between teachers and leaders or how we interact as teachers. I mean, yeah, it, it maps on that as well. Um, you know, we can, one thing I'm really trying to do as this 
leadership role emerges. This is a new role for me, and I'm I'm learning, and it's emerging. Is as I'm learning more about um, what all of our teachers are doing in their classroom. You know, I've recently reached out to a couple of teachers and been like, "Hey, I, I see you're doing this project around, you know, this roller coaster design project in science. Like, can I come in and like see what you're doing? Or is that a, is there when's a good time when you when you do a reflection or um, you know when you launch when you're going to launch a next project? I would love to come in. Like, I see what you're doing, and I I see that it's really interesting. Or um, I see you're building collaboration skills." I would love to learn more about how you assess that. And it, it lets teachers know that like, yeah, their, their, their work and their ideas aren't existing just in a vacuum or outside of kind of the, the overall learning that's happening in the school. And, you know, it lets them know, like, again, that their work is valuable and it's valued or even could be like, Hey, that was a really, I, I love how you set up your classroom. Um, you know, what, what was your thinking and how you set it up this way? And you'd be amazed at what you, what you learn. Um, I just uh, saw a teacher the other day, they had these really cool light covers that kind of dimmed that fluorescent light. And I was like, Hey, I love this, the, the light that it puts in your room. And she was telling me, yeah, this is where I got them from. And, you know, I researched them. They're totally safe for the light covers. You know, they're, they're, this is what they're used for. And they're, um, I can give you the link on how to get some. And, I really help that I feel like lighting is a great way to soften the space. And, and, you know, that led to a great conversation about how we, how we design our learning spaces and what, how does that impact students and how do students feel when you're in your room? And, and as I was leaving, you know, the teacher goes, Hey, thanks for noticing that. Like, you know, you're the first one to notice that, you know, and, I don't know. I just kind of, it was just, I was maybe it's just having that curiosity mindset, you know, we can bring curiosity in here, you know, like I think as leaders, as teachers, like we tell our students to be curious and like, we have to be that same way. And it's, it's hard. We, we get caught up in a lot of the day-to-day week-to-week operations of a school, right? Budgets or class sizes or programming or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if we can find a way to keep our curiosity mindset going, we'd be amazed at what we can see um, our teachers doing and our peers doing and yeah, to ask them questions about it. And, you know, like, like you mentioned, like, you know, I see, I see you, I see what you're doing and maybe bring that into a meeting, a, a meeting opener, like, Hey, would you mind sharing in our meeting about um, how you use lighting in your room? Just as a way to give them a voice. And knowing this teacher, actually, there's someone who doesn't really speak up in meetings too much. They, they do their thing. They kind of keep to themselves. They, you know, they're there. They do their job at a, a very high level of professionalism, but they're not one who's going to always speak up, speak up in a meeting. And this might be a, an opportunity for them to share their, their insights. And you never know where that could lead. They might feel more empowered now. And, hey, maybe there's a, a committee on improving classroom spaces that emerges from that. Who knows? You know, I'm just kind of playing with the idea. But. You can kind of see how these little threads can, um, you know, I tend to be a nonconformist by nature. And sometimes I think conformity can be one of our, our biggest hindrances. And I, I like, you know, flatter models that it can empower teachers to come up with ideas and run with them. And I, I would like to see more of that. I think that's what got me into my position is I brought ideas to the table and kind of, developed them and incorporated them and worked with, you know, some of our leadership here to see them through. And 
Um, that really helped me grow and got me more involved in more um, spaces at our school. So now I think it's kind of, you know, there's a concept in Hawaii here, Puliana of responsibility. And I, you know, I feel like I have a responsibility now that I'm in this space to also make sure that um, I can help other teachers feel like they're being seen and heard. That's awesome. You, you said so much there <laughs> that I, that I want to <laughs> unpack for people listening. You okay. know, you're talking about, okay. So first the whole curious mindset piece and then the nonconformity and flat models to increase empowerment. I definitely want to unpack that, but that's going to take a little bit. So what I'd like to do first is take a quick sponsor break and we'll come back and jump right back on that. Sounds good. Today's podcast is brought to you by Better Leaders, Better Schools, who put out a great newsletter every Sunday called The Weekend Resource. This newsletter provides incredible value, sharing tremendous leadership resources from across a variety of resources. And I personally love the inspiring quote at the end of each weekend resource, because I can use it with my staff. Subscribe by visiting betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash weekend dash resource. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back with Dagan. And right before we left, you you hit on some things. You had that huge answer right before we left that had so many good things in it that I just want to unpack a little bit. You You started talking about, well, you talked about having a curious mindset. And then you mentioned even with yourself, kind of that nonconformity piece and having flat models in schools really increases leaders' ability to empower teachers. So talk to me a little bit about that, what, what something like that looks like or some, a story of that, as it were. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I guess I mean, curiosity is just something that I, you know, probably comes from my, my music background or my creative background or as a creative and I think all teachers are creatives and creators. That's, you know, I think a component of teaching and education that is starting to be um, appreciated, valued, and explored more teachers as creators and as creative individuals. And I think we are all inherently you know, very curious. And I think it's just, it's a muscle that needs to be flexed more in our schools and it's, you know, one that I guess for myself, who, you know, still writes music, still makes music, still plays music and part of my life, it's a muscle that's really active and, you know, well flexed, I guess, in my, my life. So it's one that's really at the forefront of, of what I do. Um, so I, I would encourage any and all teachers and leaders to, you know, not, not to let that curiosity that we all have get too um, pushed into the dark in what we do. And I think, you know, having just whatever it is that you love to do on the side and keep that alive, whether that's, you know, drawing or painting or 
you know, creativity can, gardening is a, is a lovely one, cooking, you know, anything like that is keep that just active in your life. And I think it helps you be more creative in general and curious in general. So I, I just, that's something I really do believe in for all teachers um, with curiosity. But the flatness one is something that I have really gotten to experience through my work with the National Capstone Consortium, which is a um, group that um, I joined, uh, I think, 2018 um, when I went to a um, summer summit in Boston, and I became a part of um, their work in supporting capstone educators across the country. And they operate with a flat model. There's no president. There's no vice president. Um, as an organization, I was able to jump in because I raised my hand and said, hey, this sounds cool. I want to do this. And immediately I was given, you know, autonomy to come up with ideas and kind of build projects and start things. And, you know, that's extended to, you know, me kind of being part of the core, you know, leadership team, if you will, of that organization. And that's really where I learned about how a group can function um, with flatness, meaning there's no one central authority. I brought up that I thought the website could use a redesign and someone, then we just, all right, go for it. Um, anyone else want to help dig in with this website redesign? All right, jump in, start this project, get it going. And, you know, of course, everything's brought back to the group and everything is, you know, given, you know, a feedback by the overall team. But it was really something I was able to, you know, launch on my own. And um, that kind of led to building our online network. Um, for the Capstone Consortium as well. Um, and other members have started their own projects. And it really opened my eyes to how a group, an organization can operate differently than those traditional hierarchies. You know, because we've all, you know, joined different groups or consortiums or organizations. And, you know, there's different hierarchies that exist as kind of a holdover from that, you know, that, 20th century kind of industrial corporate model. And that's kind of where a little bit of my uh, nonconformity came in. Uh, you know, that's just how I was raised. My parents were, uh, you know, they were born and raised in New York City, but kind of, you know, sold the house, quit the jobs and moved um, to these islands in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And I was definitely raised in a, a unique environment. And I just learned and, and was, uh, was, I guess, encouraged to try and look at things differently. And I just kind of brought that into my adult life that I'm always looking at like, what's the other angle or what's a different perspective or what's another way of doing things. And, you know, for a long time, that might've been tagged as being like rebellious or, you know, anti-conformity or whatever. But now we're realizing that this is a mindset that we really need. You know, our world is changing very quickly as we all know, right? Right. Um, our whole world got thrown up into an upheaval um, almost two years ago. And having people that can come up with new and different ideas and can also see those ideas through have lots of value at a school, at a, within a committee or a group. And I, I hope that schools can start to flatten out their hierarchies a little bit more. And I think my my current role and job is a manifestation of that, where it's it's you know kind of in between. I'm a teacher, but I also have leadership responsibilities. And I would like to see more, you know, more uh, teachers be able to 
to operate like that. And schools need it. We're, we're seeing that there's lots of problems that need addressing and that it's top down just isn't going to work anymore. It just isn't. You can't have one person at the top or two or three people at the top trying to plinko it down to the teachers in the classrooms. Like it needs to be more bottom up. And, you know, it's not just the cute presentation where you take the org chart and you flip it upside down and everyone claps. And I mean, it's more than that. It's real, authentic. It's getting those people in the rooms. And like I said, it's allowing them space to have their voice heard. And it's giving them autonomy, resources to to do those things. Um, and that can be from, I mean, listen, we had to rethink how air circulates in our classrooms, how students move between bathrooms uh, or between hallways to bathrooms. We had to rethink how we distribute lunch, how we distribute homework, assignment, like everything. So, you know, we need leadership who can really be okay stepping back and getting teachers to lead initiatives and change and to, like I said, resources is a big one. Give them the, the money and the decisions and the, the, you know, the space to really see an idea through and to make it happen. And if you mentioned this earlier, if that means a teacher like doing, uh, I'm sorry, a leader like covering their duties so they can do that, like, you darn right, you better, excuse my French, you better do that. I mean, come on here, people. Like, if you got to watch students eat lunch so the teacher can work on, you know, deciding what um, light coverings to put in all the classrooms, just to use that example to increase the softness of space, you know, come on, I think you better do it. Um, you know, unnamed principal or assistant principal out there. And <laughs> apologies if I'm ruffling some feathers here, but Again, that's just maybe my uh, punk rock ethos from when I was a kid, but I just, I don't know, I really believe in this stuff. I really believe that there's a way for us to do it differently now. Um, the, old, the, the, the old way of doing it, it ain't working. And I would even take it a step further to hold other conversations to bring students on board with some of this. But I think one good first step is to, to get some teachers with some more um, say and influence in some of these things that happen within the school. Absolutely. It's mindset. It's about, you You said it perfect near there at the end where you said it's stepping back and getting teachers to lead. And the only way you do that is by listening to teachers and, and by actually authentically soliciting their input and then giving them the resources um, that they need to move forward. Because it's one thing to, to want somebody to do something and to say, oh, you know, hey, Dagan, that's a great idea. Go ahead and run with it. But you don't have any resources. You don't have any time that's not going to come to fruition. And then it just feeds the mindset of, no, it's got to be the one person, um, which we know is, is dated. You know, I, I, I do have to give you credit and it, it's such a great visual because you did, you made a reference to Plinko, which anybody that doesn't know what Plinko is from the price is right. Just, you made a perfect reference about the one person dropping it up at the top and maybe hopefully yeah. it'll hit the big money. But more often than not, it goes off into one of the zero categories and nobody gets anything. So yeah. that that was such a good visual. Um, yep. We're getting near the end. So I, I want to ask you, I want to ask you two questions that I that I ask every every guest on here. The first one is if you were not the teacher leader you are now, who, not what would you be? Well, you know, I've mentioned music and that's been a big passion of mine. And if you would have asked a uh, 13 year old Dagan, I would say 100% rock star musician, uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, and having explored that, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I still love music, but 
you know, the music business can be, uh, is an, is an odd thing. So I'm not so sure if that was really something I was, you know, destined to be. I love technology. You know, my dad's a, a computer programmer and an information technology director. I could see myself maybe doing something with computers, but, um, I also love cooking too. I'm not a great cook, but I, I love cooking. I could see, you know, I'm very envious of professional chefs. I think they have a really, I know it's a hard job, but it's a cool job. It's you can be creative and, you know, you're cooking things and making food and just all the, the cultural aspects of, of food. I could see sometimes I have fantasies, even when I'm cooking my simple pasta dinners that I'm like a cook and I'm cooking and I love watching cooking shows and I could see myself maybe being a chef as well. I think that's a cool line of work. I got lots of love for all the chefs out there. It's so funny you said that because I watch cooking shows too. My wife and I watch cooking shows all the time and I sit there and go, oh man, I'd like to be a chef. Yeah, I'm in, I'm really in love with the idea of being a chef. And then you look at how much work it is, the hours they work, oh. and it's, it's, it's just a really rough industry. But like you said, it's so rewarding. I mean, you can, you serve all those people, you can make all those people happy, you can be creative. You want to talk about your flat model where, you know, if you come up with a good idea and you can, and you can get a new recipe or something like that, that's, that's culturally significant, you can really move along. So the second one, and this is, this is the, the highlight of the show. I saved the best for last. So this is where you're going to wow everybody. That's a lot of pressure. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's a lot of pressure. No, you're all <laughs> you're going to, you're going to do fine. Um, you've said so many good things already uh, today. So what's the, what's the most important piece of advice you'd give to leaders as they work to support, engage, and empower teachers? Well, you know, for me, it really comes down to two things. And I, and I hold these dear to my heart and they are really my, my mantra. It's, it's stay humble, operate with integrity. I, I really think those two things are kind of the foundation of, you know, being a, just an effective person and a relationship builder and partner and educator and professional. Um, and there are things I, I talk to students about too. You know, staying humble is being open to learning new things, being open to getting feedback, knowing that, you know, you might make, you're going to make mistakes. You are going to make mistakes. And I, we do live in a society where maybe we're expected to always be perfect. And, you know, we're dealing with education, teaching and learning is very messy work. And I think as leaders, if we can get to a place where we really are humble in our actions and knowing that, you know, we might, we're, we're not might, we are going to make mistakes, but that we're going to, we're going to listen to the feedback from others. We're not going to be judgmental of our peers or our, you know, our, our collaborators and that we're going to act in a, in a, from a space of empathy that, that we're going to, we're going to do good. And that's where that integrity piece comes in. Because as long as you're making these decisions that is with your, your the utmost integrity, that you're you're trying to do the right thing, you're trying to do what you really believe is, you know, fair and just and will be right by the students and the teachers and the families and the parents. Like, I think if we're operating from that place, um, that will, um, you know, that will that will be okay. So it's that combination of you know humility and integrity together. I think is a, a great a great combination. It's something that, you know, I try my best. It's something I strive for. And, you know, I do a lot of, you know, morning meditation is an important part of my practice. Uh, 
you know, trying to move every day. I think all those things come, come into it as well. You know, we talked about like doing the little things to kind of set the, the stage for success. I think just, you know, maintaining our own wellness so we can be humble and be of integrity is, is really important. So all of those, all of those things together to me is kind of my recipe for how I try and operate. Now let me get this straight. You were worried about not being able to operate under pressure. And the first things out of your mouth are stay humble, operate with integrity. You don't get, you don't get better than that. That's the best advice you can give to anybody. Uh, well, I so. appreciate that, Christopher. That's, uh, that's very kind to you. And uh, yeah, I, I, I hope I could, I could do the ideas justice in how I uh, was able to express them. Absolutely. I do have one last thing for you because there are people that are going to listen to this and I can't imagine somebody not wanting to get in touch with you um, because of the information you've given. So what's the best way for somebody to reach out and get in touch with you? You know, I'm active on kind of your, your regular social media channels. Um, I love my edu Twitter um, family. So you can go to at Dagan Bernstein. That's my full name. I'm sure you'll see that in the episode description. I know it's a tricky name to spell, but it's D-A-G-A-N. So at Dagan Bernstein on Twitter. And I've been um, expanding my writing skills. This has been my goal for the last year. So Dagan.blog is where I've been publishing all my my writings and trying to grow there. And, you know, also Instagram at Dagan.blog. And if you're interested in my music side as well, you know, feel free to jump onto the music. I know it's not a music podcast, but you can go to daganmusic.com and check me out there or look me up on Spotify. I have some albums of original music I've released on Spotify. So, so yeah, those are, those are the places you can find me on the uh, interwebs. Which we'll, uh, we'll definitely link those up. I, I know it's not a music podcast, but who doesn't enjoy good music? So we'll, uh, we'll definitely hook that up so people hey, can get on there. and listen. Awesome. Well, hey, you know, Dagan, thank you very much um, for coming on the show today. I, I really appreciate it. I think you've, you've given some really good nuggets of wisdom and, some, uh, and voiced some things that leaders can take to heart and, and follow when they're looking to better support, engage, and empower teachers such as yourself. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Christopher. You're doing great work. I love your podcast. And uh, it's been a real honor to uh, share some of my experience and thoughts. Um, with you and your audience and uh, keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep listening to your pod. You're, you're doing great stuff. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Sounds good. Aloha. Mahalo. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. 
its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.